0: Hey y'all, welcome to Real Matters of the Heart, where we say life is all about chances and you can control how many you take, but not how many you get. My name is Joy, thank you so much for joining me. And today I'm going to be doing a little something different. Uh, Family day is on Sunday for me, I try to kick it with my mom, my sister, if my sister's ever home, she rarely is. But uh, so this past Sunday I recorded a conversation that my mom and I were having that kind of jumped around all over the place. And so I just want to share some snippets with you guys with some funny stories, some gold nuggets about life, parenting, just, you know, girl talk, a range of different things. And I just thought that they would be uh, fun to share with you. And so this first clip that I have is my mom talking about the male-female dynamic and growing up with brothers who were giving her the game about dating and just all that kind of stuff. And it's really interesting to hear how nothing has really changed in 50 years. I have have some male friends who will tell... Who? Me, don't. the truth. Let me tell you something. I grew up with the Raps. Is that they their know? crew name? Yeah, they,
1: call, they used to call the them the Raps. R-A-P-S? Because... R-A-P-S? uh uh-huh. What does it stand for, something? No, they call them the Raps because they were rapping on the women. Like Mac Daddy yeah, Mac Daddy's right.
0: Oh, my God. But back in the day, <laughs> it was it rapping. called rapping?
1: Yeah, we were rapping, right. <laughs> so they call it now Mac Daddy,
0: but yeah. But the, uh, Mac Daddy, no one says... I don't know what people call it now. Well, I don't know
1: what yeah, they call it now, but yeah. They call
0: it... Bullshitting Oh.
1: <laughs> well, what's ultimately, name?
0: that's what it boils no, down to being. No, what's
1: to his Call it pimping. Snoop Dogg say
0: was? He, well, the no, I think he really meant pimping though. Like oh, he putting pimpin nose pimpin in the, pimpin
1: pimpin stroll. the stroll. Yeah. I mean, yeah,
0: that's <laughs> well, like yeah. the real well, thing.
1: But we, that's what it was. So they used to call themselves the Raps.
0: Okay. And so they used to give you the game.
1: Yeah. As brothers should. That's right. what brothers are supposed to All, do. And sometimes we were the game. If he tried to get a woman, if he didn't want somebody. But then you guys look alike. Well, you got to be smart to see that. Most of these women ain't oh smart. They God. just saw how cute See, I see, We got to remember these girls looking at how cute he is. And they just... Yeah, they about don't me. care who you are? Yeah. I used to get money in high school. Girls used to give me money to meet my brother. Or to sit and have lunch. Well, let me find and out Uncle then, Bobby was out here. he used to come. When you see me with one of my girlfriends that were cute, he would come over there. Damn. Oh, he had games. <laughs> but the girls... <laughs> Apparently, him. he still has games. Yeah. But then as they got older, they kicked this to the curb. So Grandma Ann had to sit us down and told us this. That little hole that you have, if they can't stick their wiener in it, they don't want to play with you no more. Oh. <laughs> she says, when the boys start sexually, they don't if they can't stick you, they don't want to play with you. God. I, I just like, watched
0: When Harry Met Sally the other day for the oh, first did time.
1: He? And I had never
0: seen that. And apparently, the whole, like the beginning of the film when they first met, when Harry met Sally. Um, he said to her that men and women can't be friends. Mm-hmm. Because there's always this underlying thing where the man more than likely wants to have sex with you. So he's either he's pretending he's your friend mm-hmm. because he wants to have sex with you. Mm-hmm. Or... <laughs> No, he's pretending. That's really it. That's, that's all, there's I, no, that's, no other. <laughs> There's no that's other. It. They want to sleep with me. That's it.
1: That's it. That's the bottom line. And they'll do anything to get there. And wanna, once they get there. I don't want to believe that. That's, I'm telling you, that's. My no, brother that told that. me that. I, I have, have male something. friends you, you know that what?
0: even if they do find me attractive and want to sleep with me, I don't believe that that's like the but, whole underlying. But you
1: know what? I do too, Joy. But be honest with yourself. And how often, how long do they stay around you? Now, me and I have friends that I've been team. friends with
0: That I've grown up with That I've never slept with
1: Troy's always tell me But well, we became really good friends I don't know what happened I think he got mad at me Because I told him He became a Clipper fan But I have friends What? Said, Wait What mean? Tr- he, he was a
0: Laker fan He became he was, a Clipper fan And yeah, then you guys you know, stopped being it, friends? Because he's a Clipper fan? Well are you that I'm
1: thinking Yeah Is because, that
0: you being petty? Or is that him being damn, petty? He
1: stopped talking to me I, Because he's a Laker fan Because you're <laughs> a Laker fan What happened was so, okay. See, I got this man's personality. And I know I do, because I got this tongue. I got this... What a man's personality. Well, I'm more bold with my tongue. I'm more than assertive. Most women. Yeah. Okay. Well, most women. Most women won't say certain things to guys, because they're trying to get them, too. They like them. I'm like this. I like you. It doesn't matter. I'm, you know. Oh, is it that they <laughs> like them, or is that they, they want to be liked? Well, maybe that... I
0: think, like, there's an underlying thing with... Like if so like men, the men always want to sleep with the woman, then I think on some level the woman is trying to always like well get, get that kind of attention, maybe like she wants t- him to want to sleep with her well, see never had,
1: I've never had I never I've never yeah. been
0: boy crazy because I've always been around boys all my life. I can say that I have altered my behavior for a guy that I liked, but not necessarily because I wanted him to like me if
1: I didn't like him. Does that make sense? Yeah, because when you know, I could get really, well, I'm really quiet anyway when I get around most guys until they start talking to me. I can be really friends, but when you, even if I like you, if you start talking to me and you say certain things, I'm going to respond. Well, yeah, I'm I, not going You really, know, certain I, things, yeah. but I may respond in a way where you wouldn't expect it for a woman to respond. Uh-oh. Only because I've just been around boys and I'm, I've never been, I never really hung out with girls because girls were out there sleeping with guys and we weren't doing that. Because we, we weren't allowed. Right. So we, we weren't, weren't allowed. No. It's not daughters. like these other girls just like well, had permission slips. No, their brothers <laughs> weren't like my
0: brothers. Oh, you mean like they yeah. didn't have anybody like
1: Right. They had brothers, but their brothers, my brothers, we're not <laughs> big city kids. So right. we were raised really close and just close with one another. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things. And you guys are like two days apart, all of you. But yeah, we couldn't do things. I couldn't do a lot of things that other girls were doing. Literally. <laughs> my brothers wouldn't let me yeah and I and I just we weren't allowed. we just weren't allowed to get out like that.
0: I have heard these stories a million times, and they never, ever get old. I've always wished I had a brother for this very reason because I just knew that he would just have to put me up on game. and I feel like a lot of stuff that I've lived through, I probably wouldn't have had to go through. I would have handled or experienced it very differently if I just had somebody with me. And like I said, I have friends give me the game but it's usually because i'm going to them after the fact and i'm like this is what happened and he's like oh this is what happened so it would have been cool to have somebody in the house but anyway um my this next clip is my mom just kind of talking about her life growing up in culture shock moving from a predominantly white neighborhood to a black neighborhood and what that meant for her personality and her attitude and how she had to make this huge adjustment and of course this was during the 60s so we're in the height of the civil rights movement and she's in the conservative midwest and It means so many different things for her and you know the colorism and just there's so many different layers and elements and so it's always interesting to hear these stories particularly because we still see the remnants of a lot of that stuff today and I think it's important to continue to tie this stuff together to understand that this is nothing new under the Sun and we have resources we have people who have lived through it they know what it's like we need to tap into that and more importantly we need to see that this is not new and because we continue to live through these cycles it's time to start healing and so Here's a couple stories about my mom and the stuff she kind of just had to go through in her life dealing with the issues of colorism and culture shock.
1: So now, when I grew up, now I'm coming to East St. Louis, all this, this black school and everything, but I know these kids because we grew up coming to East St. Louis, visiting Grandma Anna, but now we come to live. Now I'm a white girl living with these black girls. I don't know anything about these black girls. The culture. Yeah, know nothing about it because I never lived in a black neighborhood. Now I'm 11 years old. So what were the differences? What were the major differences? This is where my attitude started changing. Now I'm on 15th of the where the warlords are, all the gang, all this stuff. These are the gang. Yeah. I ain't never been around no damn... I ain't never been around no attitude like that. Right. I'm 11 years old. So now let
0: me ask you this. Let me ask you this. As an adult now, when you look back at those times, do you feel like those people were angry for larger, more systemic reasons? Or... You know what I mean? Like do you feel yeah. like okay, they were held in certain neighborhoods or you know, lacking yeah. lacking uh-huh, resources uh-huh, uh-huh. or whatever other things that made them feel right. you know, desperate or destitute, therefore mm-hmm. angry I see because the they didn't know whatever you
1: know what I mean? talk about, which I used wonder, what are you talking about? Right. As, a, as an adult, you now, now up I see and, and that's the thing. And that's why we try to tell you guys. Exactly. And and,
0: <laughs> and, and, and that's why I think it took for me to become an adult, for mm-hmm. me to understand what you were saying when you had said to me that it was okay for me to date a white man. Or not just not just a white man, but any man yeah. that, you know, a non-black man. And I think it took for me to get that. Like, you know, hearing stories of people telling me, you know, what kind of neighborhoods they grew up in. what kind, Not even just neighborhoods, households. Household, like, it wasn't right. even necessarily, like, anything external beyond nuclear family like sometimes it was just stuff that was right in the house that they woke up seeing and dealing with and living with every single day
1: mm-hmm. waking and, up an empty refrigerator
0: yeah then what that does to you and, yeah. and, that's, and that's I mean and I hate to sound naive like oh I didn't know because of course you know on some level that it impacts you but I think you don't really until you kind of grow up I guess right. really understand even the people who have lived through it like how it affects you mm-hmm in uh, areas beyond that like of course you know if your refrigerator I'm hungry that's going to affect certain things mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. you know whatever that's why they try to keep but like it for, really yeah. does mm-hmm. impact you it it. so far beyond that mm-hmm. initial kind of mm-hmm. wave of mm-hmm. whatever your experiences is like in a day you do carry it into your adult years and it does show up in other areas of your life that s- may seemingly be unrelated it's
1: like a hungry and, belly you know 100%, 100%, 100%, well, because, because
0: then you make decisions from a place of desperation you know what I mean. If, if I'm nice. out here starving,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm gonna make a very different decision about you know whether or not I should rob this person or this Definitely store or right. if I should steal or that's a. So I get. Of course, you get that. Like you gotta understand. There's a, there's a clip of Tupac, um, some years ago. I guess he was supposed to be doing some Christmas special or something on MTV, but it never aired because I guess. Ultimately, he ended up getting um, those rape charges came. Oh, okay. And so yeah. they never aired it because you know it was oh, like okay. a conflict mm-hmm. of kind of just their image or whatever. But anyway, there's footage of it, and there's a moment where they're kind of talking to him. I believe. I mean, I've watched so many Tupac interviews, so I could be mixing up two different events. But anyway, there's a there's a moment where he talks about you know if you got a people in in one room, you know, and they got food, you know, mm-hmm. above and beyond what they could even possibly consume, and then you got mm-hmm. a people next door who are hungry. You know, he said initially they might come over, there, they might knock on the door, you mm-hmm. know, ask for some food. They might sing, we are hungry, please let, please let us in. And, you know, but eventually, you know, he was saying they ask enough times and you keep opening the door and you telling them, no, they can't have it. But they seeing you sling the food, throwing, having a food fight, wasting right. it. Mm-hmm. And they over here starving. He said eventually, you know, they're not going to knock. They're not going to ask. They're right. going to kick the go- door down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he and he was talking more in the macro picture, talking about like the, you know. The difference between, they were asking, my guess, you know, his whole thug life and that whole mm-hmm. bit. And they were asking, you know, the difference between uh, non-violent, silent protests or whatever uh, sit-ins from the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, they were asking, you know, back then. And now, here we are in the 90s, 30 years later, however much. And you got us, the children of these people the descendants of this movement who are sick and tired we watched our parents grandparents aunts Mm -hmm. uncles whomever Mm ask y'all and we watched you continually tell them no so now here we are in 1993 4 whenever Mm -hmm. this interview is taking place and we now we kicking down doors they were asking and singing christmas carols now we kicking down doors busting shots you Mm -hmm. gonna give me some of this Mm -hmm. food because i'm out here starving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it becomes that and i think you get that on some level but I don't think you always make the connection to into how it permeates into right. other areas of your life, like where you're like, okay, well, wait a minute, hold on, my desperation um, for a certain thing, and it might not necessarily be physical food. It right. may be right. emotional nourishment. Yes, yes, it may yeah, be spiritual right, nourishment. Right, it may right. be different types of nourishment that I am desperate mm-hmm. for. That's gonna cause me to make a different decision than I than I would make if I were being. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, satiate it if we are going to stick with this, you know, um, kind of analogy or whatever. I don't think I will ever tire of having these conversations because there are so many layers, so many ways for us to grow as individuals with regard to how we relate to one another, just understanding the dynamic of what's happening within us and through us. Right, In so many ways to be compassionate and to love each other and uh, really help each other and, and have this collective conscious, this collective growth as a community of people who do come from different backgrounds, have different experiences. And I just think it's so important to not minimize those things. And so in this next clip, we kind of address like, okay, now you come from these different backgrounds and you're acknowledging that. Now, how is that showing up with how you relate to each other, particularly how you relate to each other in romantic relationships, when you have very different approaches because of your very different experiences? How does that show up? How do you navigate that? How do you reconcile those differences and still be able to work together as a unit, as a team? So, yeah, it's interesting. I remember thinking about the love of my life I thought he was what's his name? we're not gonna say that we're not saying names <laughs> but um, I remember one night it was really strange kind of um like praying actually I was talking to one of my friends and she was in this great relationship she was so happy and I just remember kind of getting off the phone with her and just feeling like okay what, what am I doing? What's happening? You know, you can't help it sometimes. Oh, yeah, you start it to compare time. yourself to yeah, your peers. My, you look yeah. around. Huh? What's, what's going on in my life? Mm-hmm. It's like one of those things. So anyway, I just remember just kind of saying this prayer like, Oh, what, what's going on? And I literally almost felt like, like I felt like God was showing me each of my relationships like one by one and kinda of just showing me like what I learned, how I grow grew, what was really going like the beyond my emotional attachment to the situation or whatever I was experiencing at the time, he kinda of just showed me like the wider lens view of like what was going on there. And one of the things that I learned, I remember first guy I was holding love, oh my goodness. And a number of things happened that should were not even red flags, they were like burning on fire flags and I still but you were
1: young. You're young
0: yeah and I still whatever so yeah I was young so but one of the things I remember one of the times he cheated <laughs> that I found out about and I found out about who the girl was and I was just like what? like I was really confused because mm-hmm. I felt like you know what they tell you they won right Although right. I'm on paper I'm you know I'm yes. funny I'm cute yeah. I'm smart mm-hmm. I'm all cool and mm-hmm. we have fun and all these things I'm thinking like, oh, okay. But when I was seeing the girl that he was cheating with, mm-hmm. I was like, help me understand. But what I realized was, she was um, sleeping with him. Well, beyond that, beyond that, she, as a single mother, mm-hmm. she, any little thing that he could do for her made him. She was so appreciative. You know, she, she, could, take him, she could take him, she could take she could take he could take him to dinner. If he bought her and her child food, it was like he was the king of the world and mm-hmm. every little thing that he did so it made him feel appreciated whereas with me, I was in college on scholarship. I had two parents who were helping me do whatever supplement whatever money mm-hmm. I didn't have. That school wasn't paying for, Uh you know, you guys were paying, I had luxuries, you know, remember I used to eat filet mignon, remember that? Remember you were Mm -hmm. like, what are you buying? How are you spending this much money on groceries every week? And I'm telling you I'm buying filet mignon and you're like, ma'am, what? And I'm like, wait, it was only $7. You're like, for one steak? And I'm like, yeah, I thought that was cheap. So this is this is my life no, I'm, I'm buying not. filet mignon no. thinking like this yeah. is cheap I'm thinking I'm getting a good deal it was only 7 bucks like no, anyway like you
1: said you had no worries. yeah I, did, that, I, I didn't and so did no I realized
0: that for him at that time th- there wasn't room for me there wasn't a place for him in my life or so it seemed to him I don't think that I was ever like you know I don't need you no, dangling you know any of those. It, was? things. it wasn't that, but no. I, she I think was able to make him feel like they were the same he was place. on top of the world. They yeah, the same that place. same kind of. That's why I can so, tell you, but when that you were that needed that. I needed to see that yeah. because I think up until that point I was still questioning how much of the cheating and all that that he was doing was because of me because of you know, no,
1: but you know i wasn't
0: good enough i wasn't cute enough i wasn't doing I'm enough like, i should have been you know, you know maybe sleep with him or doing i should have been and i and i didn't i it took for me to have that moment of clarity with mm-hmm. god to say oh that had nothing to do with me and everything to do with the context of that relationship but that dynamic and how she was able to make him feel because it
1: came from the
0: like he was you know and and i and i get it I, I get yeah. on, I do understand that dynamic as a woman now right. that a man would want to feel as though, if I'm approaching this situation, I want to feel as though I have something to contribute. And so when you're in the situation that he was in at the time, and I wasn't looking to him for anything right. other than companionship. Just be here with me. I enjoy my time with you. Let's just kick it. I wasn't looking for him to come and pay my bills and take care of me. I wasn't, if you don't, if you don't mm-hmm. buy it, I'm not eating. I wasn't in that situation. Right. And so I think in order for his own ego to be stroked. Because it's the, it's the
1: background. In y'all's mind, y'all feel this comfort zone of sec- very great security, which is great. Which is what yeah. I want you to feel. You walk very mm-hmm. you walk tall. You stand with your head up. That comes from the security of your childhood. Right. They came from a different type of a childhood where we are single parents, but some of us hustle different. Where they came from either they were hungry, they didn't have beds to sleep in, their mamas was gone, or either had to work, they saw men come in with abusive. They mom, you can't come in my house unless you're doing something. This is what they know. This is what they know. I mean, I get that. I get so if they that, don't get yeah. educated and go away and see something, and see something different, different and see that, then there won't be a change. Right. And this is what you see. I'm tired it. of that story. But You're you know, that's that. our reality.
0: And I'm, and I'm not saying I'm tired of that story like I'm tired of people's truth. That's the like reality. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying for how many more generations... Is that going to continue to be the majority of our story? You know, right. It's going to always be some people who Until go, it's going to always be We that. want to get it right but with one like, another. Goodness gracious! What's the line between feeling like I don't want to kick you when you're down? and I want to give you a chance, and I want to see and you know your potential and your hope and your all of these things, and so be supportive of you without you know without feeling like it's coming from a place of guilt. Because I feel like I have to be loyal to you versus, you know, and and how do I say, okay, I'm not going to kick you while you're down. I'm not going to talk bad or down about you or to you, but I'm also not going to date you because I do see that you ain't got your shit together.
1: Okay, but well, wait a minute.
0: So, and I'm not saying that I'm obligated to date somebody who doesn't have their shit together. I got that. Right. But what I'm saying is like it's it can be such a thin line you know what i mean when you see somebody who does have a good heart who does want to get out who does have a vision who does have all these things and maybe hasn't had resources or opportunities or anybody to encourage or empower them to do that prior to you so when somebody like me for instance comes in this heart to give and be in love and sees somebody who has a skill a talent a trait or even just a desire to get out and do something different but they don't know how to do that and so i say okay i'm willing to walk alongside you to be supportive to help you to encourage you to do all of these things then it becomes a matter of real life patience because mm-hmm. i'm not coaching you i'm not doing it for you that's not my job you can only do you know what it is that you have the desire and then the mm-hmm. will to do mm-hmm. and i can walk alongside you but if we're talking about the the, the the dynamic of dating and all of that It becomes this thing of like, okay, well, how long? Because I do have to acknowledge, I do have to recognize that you don't necessarily always know what this looks like. Hell, I don't always know what it Mm -hmm. looks like. But I may have a better perspective because of choices you made as my mom to expose me to different things when I was younger and, you know, whatever other things. But so for some people who maybe just now be seeing it for the first time Mm -hmm. in their 20s and 30s, Mm -hmm. you got to give them time to kind of catch up to what their mind is trying to understand. First, they got to trust you. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times if you come in there trying to help and be nice, right. they looking at you with the side eye like what normal. you trying to do. Right. So first you gotta make you gotta allow them the time to trust you. Mm-hmm. Then once they trust you, they gotta catch up their their thought processes and their mentalities and their approach to life to this new kind of this new mm-hmm. idea that, Oh, maybe I can do this. Maybe this is a possibility. Then you gotta be patient with them through that because there's still this tugging that wants to take them back to their old way of life and they're old oh, because that's what they're familiar with that's right. what they know and then any obstacle that comes up instinctively anybody mm-hmm. instinctively when you're faced with an obstacle or something instinctively mm-hmm. you're gonna go Ooh, and maybe at least mm-hmm. for a moment consider going mm-hmm. back no, to I'm whatever saying. you know until mm-hmm. you, you build this kind of will well, would, this, 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 this determination this perseverance this diligence mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. persistence that says no I gotta keep going but that takes Time yeah. like growing that's up. built in, yeah.
1: that takes time. Well, so you're always hustling, scuffling, you don't, you know, whatever, whatever. So, you not you can't, you have it. no sense of stability, yeah. And if you got that as a kid, you're growing up into an adult like that. Now, you're growing right, into right. But now, you got to understand what you see right out your front door. The game said it took him to have his child, and then a couple of years later, for him to get out of Compton, he couldn't leave Compton when he became the game and made all that money. Yeah. He said, did you watch the third part?
0: Yeah, he talked about there was a shootout on the block and he found a bullet hole in the, his son's so car seat, right. right where the head would have been. Right. And he said that that was like his wake up that call. That was his wake up call. Mm-hmm. And he said, his brother, he still can't get his he brother out
1: of there. He still can't get his brother out of there. Still cannot get his brother out of there. Man. And I, I get it. I know. I know, and that's I know that it's very the much on a mind. That that's educator we'll would call thing. a sick person. Not sick mentally or crazy, but it's a sick thing because you can't. Get off of
0: that. That train. Well sick as in disease, and for mm-hmm. me the word is dis Like there is dis ease in your spirit okay, well, about what life but, but, is
1: but, presenting but, to you. That's but, real. But 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 there's a way out. And and, and, and of course there's a way but they don't out. look for that life. They don't always know that though. But there it is. He, that's what, that's, but that's what even the game said even when he did get out and see, he couldn't he couldn't leave it. It's you're literally institutionalized. There it is. And that's what I'm saying. And that's what Grandma Anna considers it to be a sickness. Because some people could even go to college and even go out and they can't seem to let that go. That's where you have to come in and realize there's nothing you can do right, for that. No matter how much goodness you have in you, that's the work of God. You will be a, a... a, a person who wants to continue to save and you'll find yourself in that mode always trying to help and save, trying to help and, yeah, save, trying to help and save and captain save Yeah.
0: No, I know and I know what you're saying. But so but my question, I guess my battle is because I always say we are relational beings. We're created to be yeah, in relationship. And we don't want to walk another. away
1: from anything unrelated. And
0: it's not even necessary to don't want to walk away. If I'm believing that that's the work of God, but I also know that God works through our relationships, mm-hmm. through the people that He sends to us then I feel like, at what point am I making a selfish decision to preserve myself, which I am un- on this movement that even selflessness begins with self. And I have to first make sure I'm good before I can expect it. Even just as a, as a lifeguard coming up training, that's the first thing they told us. When you go observe a scene and you see what's going on, you survey the situation, you have to make sure first that the situation is safe for you to enter in before you can go in and try to save call yourself trying to save somebody else you got to make sure it's safe so if you walk right. into a spot and you see somebody passed out, but it 's a live wire which you can 't do nothing to help them if you walk into the right. live wire now y 'all both you know both electrocuted mm-hmm. so I do understand that in order to help somebody else, I have to first make sure the situation
1: but then you it 's something that too. I
0: can handle for myself, but beyond that, I do agree that you also have to. I have to be clear about what it is I expect from my maid and all these different things. And you have to so be it's unconditional. all of these things. See, you, that's what I'm saying, and you that's have to be that's where it becomes a paradox because how do I say I am unconditionally loving a person as God does mm-hmm. without all of these rules and stipulations and all these keeping score and tabs and judgment and all of that? How do I do that you keep it and simple. still protect myself? You keep it simple. I do have expectations for what I would like in my partner in my life. Absolutely. But I don't have this list that says he got to be, he got to have a six pack. He got to fuck. I don't have that. But, but how again, do you say in the same breath, you got to know what you want and know what you need and all that. And at the same time, but love unconditionally. Like, because yeah, it can't I be unconditional that. if I'm saying no, I say it's unconditional like, as long as you have like that.
1: Unconditional because you're loving through God. So you're loving this person just because he's a person. And yeah, you do, no, 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 no. That's what I always tell people. See, that's the problem. See, we want to put a lot of stuff in there and we get, we get caught up in that. That's what I always tell people. I just want somebody who loves God. I, it ain't going to be nothing else because I know it's going to be a lot of other stuff in there because we're all human. But I know if you love God, if you love God and, you, and you, you, you're working towards being obedient. Because we're not perfect We're just working towards being obedient Then I know we can build something together Because we're on the same faith zone We're both loving God We're both working towards obedience Now yeah. if we're both working towards obedience I got to think that simple thought That you're not going to do anything that's going to harm me Right The things you can't work with Is what you hold val- your values Now if you're a person that's out here That's lying to me That's stealing that's cheap, you, How am I going to work with that? Because what's real? What, how do I know what's, what's, what's the truth? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's why I tell people, just keep it simple with me. Just, just come to me simple. Cause yeah, we're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna do that. I'm not saying cause we're not perfect. That's what I'm saying. If we can get past that stuff of, of, the, of the perfectionist stuff, and like you said, and we look at each other through God's eyes, then we can love each other with all the imperfections and all the bumps and bruises that we have on us because we do have it. I just don't want you to come to me lying about it.
0: Hmm. Well, that was very interesting. What I hear my mom saying in this clip is basically that successful relationships are the ones that have the simplest approach, which is kind of different from what we normally hear because we always hear, you know, relationships take work, work, work. Right. Um, And I don't think she's contradicting that. I think what I hear her saying is the work that we do in a relationship is not on the relationship or certainly not on the other person but it's on ourselves. And if we can be obedient to the call that we have on our lives and show up authentically in our relationships, submitting to that, and then meet up and pair up with a person who's doing the same thing, then really that work is maintaining yourself in alignment with God and who he called you to be. And if your mate is doing that same work, then really the relationship has no choice but to be healthy and successful. So I really appreciate that shift in perspective there and so now that we've gotten into some of the heavier material and we're about up at the halfway point of this conversation i think it's about time for a small chronic break
1: he didn't know i was i smoke weed he i don't think he knows that to this day there's a lot of things i don't do with everybody because yeah. i don't i'm not that type of a person <laughs> i smoke with certain people i can't smoke with everybody and then everybody tells me you don't smoke well i don't smoke it the way they like me to smoke because i don't i got to be I don't, I don't is there smoke. a way? I don't inhale it. What? You sound like <laughs> Bill Clinton now. the hell is going on? That's what do what you do to it? right. I just take it and just do a little bit and then I blow the smoke out and stuff. Because I like to be involved in the. I want to so see are it. you getting high? No. What That's the what they fuck? tell me. You're wasting it. Well, no. no I don't know. I ain't never. Well, I'm with my friends. I've never
0: smoked, but I've been high before yeah, on an edible. You know, I was high for five years straight and didn't know it. Oh, what? Five high, five for high for five years dealing with that brother. Yeah, all oh, from the um, just being smoking the, all smoking, the damn yeah.
1: time. I didn't
0: know it until we broke up, and I said, you know, after some time went by, he was out of my house and no more yeah, smoking. F- yeah, I said, damn, you I had like contact. a whole my whole world was just different. Contact. Part, was, Part of it I was just because I wasn't it. dealing with his bullshit. But the other part of it was, I really think I was high all that time well, and didn't
1: know. You did. You passed a drug test, so you probably wouldn't.
0: it wasn't enough to be in my blood because yeah. I wasn't doing but it see, directly. I'm not
1: that type of person either. I don't just sit around smoke all day and do that. I just smoke when people come around. They want to smoke, or you know, just you know, so. I'll but you're it. not getting high. See, <laughs> <laughs> that's what everybody they, they get mad. At me. I do it because I don't want to put my mouth in that smoke. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bougie ass weed smoking. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't, I don't know where your mouth is no. I, don't I hear wait. that. I don't, I don't want to my mouth, so I like. To. He, said, well, he said, I don't like for you to come over and smoke with me because you don't smoke right. You don't even hit it right. I said, do. I thought you see the smoke coming out. Yeah, I see too many that comes out too. Close. I'm like, well, I'm hitting it right. I'm hitting the right. way. But you just want to be a part of the, the yeah, social. Yeah, I want to know my surroundings. I don't like to be out of my mind.
0: That's why I didn't start drinking. <laughs> I like remember? remember? My mind. I used to say that. That that is why I did not drink when.
1: I see. I'm something else. Was young,
0: like I yeah, remember, Like I when I mean, know, I didn't start drinking till I was like 27 or something. Because that's what my whole do. thing too was. Like, why do I want to be so drunk that right. I don't remember what happened? That's what I, don't I don't want to, want to like be I'm out of control. Right. I don't want to be vulnerable in such a way that I blacked out or I'm so drunk that you doing whatever. Or, not, or Or I don't want to be so drunk that the night is so fun and I don't remember it because I was thing. so I damn a, drunk I want, like, I want to have memories <laughs> I want to be able to be like remember that time when I don't want to be like remember that time oh. I got so drunk which time I don't know because so I, I never remember anything like, they, like that's stupid that's
1: why I can go without it see every, people laugh and I'm like well that's so ridiculous but I don't, I don't, I don't smoke like they smoke because I, I, I want to be aware. And then what if you smoke too much and something happens and somebody needs to be there? Coherent. <laughs> right. I will be the damn designated driver. Forget, forget that.
0: Yeah, Shit, we need to get on home. Because I'm going to sleep in my own bed tonight. I ain't staying I sleep, out. So if you don't go and tear the party up, tear the club up, I'll be over here chilling. <laughs> that clip cracks me up. We are the most paranoid, trying to be out here and be social, hanging out, but don't want to do nothing because we scared. That is hilarious to me. And as a disclaimer, kids, folks, everybody out there, it ain't like me and my mom just sit up drinking and smoking together. Um, I just want to say that because I know it can get tricky out here. People start calling DCFS. Can you even do that when I'm grown? I'm grown. Anyway, uh, just, you know, we're grown. Me and my mom... You know, she's my mom, but we're also two women, and I appreciate that we can have honest conversations about just the stuff of life. So that's always going to be a funny clip for me. But now getting back to some of the more serious material, we spoke earlier about race and colorism. But there's another element that can definitely impact the way we show up in the world and in our relationships, and that is socioeconomic class how much money you make, what profession your family, your parents hold, um, how people view you in your society, in your community, in your neighborhood. Things like that can really impact you in in the way you show up in this world. And so my mom was raised by her great-grandparents who were born in the 1800s. So she has a very, very different perspective than most people her age because the people who raised her were very simple. They came from a very different time and have a very different experience in the world because of the things they had access to and how they grew up and all of that. So let's take a listen and see what it was like to have dinner at my mom's house growing up with people who were born in the 1800s. I'm
1: going to my white friend's house, the butler is my other black friend's daddy, gotta wait on me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to the white girl's house, they gotta wait on me. You think they like that? Mm-hmm. Hell no. They don't like my grandfather as it is. Yeah. That put me out of the box right there. That's what I grew up with. My uncles, my great uncles, and brothers building homes, photographers, uh, electricians, all these different trades, all the girls were teachers. Five girls, five, all of them were teachers. Professors, they were all educated. That ain't normal. That's not normal for a black man to have 10 kids and they all get educated. I didn't see alcohol in the house, there was no bickering and cussing, and none of that, I didn't grow up with that. When I opened my refrigerator, it was full of food. And I had somebody cooking dinner, we had dinner time. We had to sit at the table, pop your hand if you had your feet feet in your plate. Pop your hand if you don't hung at the table. We had manners. You didn't put your feet in your plate, which was your hand. You didn't put your elbows on the table. You didn't hum you had a conversation at the table and everybody had we had dinner everybody was sitting at the table that's what i grew up with and everybody ate the same thing grandpa cooked and it was a little bowl of of uh cucumbers in vinegar a little piece of meat and potatoes and a glass of milk that's what we had every evening it was poached poached beef i couldn't open my refrigerator and go get what i wanted There was dinner time, there was breakfast time, there was supper, supper was lunch, and then we had dinner. Grandma Jones fixed our lunch for school. We didn't eat lunch at school. We had food at home, we should have fixed our lunch. Literally get up in the morning, seven year old woman, fix our lunches, fix our breakfast, have us a a homemade biscuit and some eggs, literally a homemade biscuit. (laughs) And on Sunday, she would make each one of us a little raisin pie. The own little raisin, we used to love raisin pies. And I don't know why. I think that was grandpa's favorite pie. What kid likes a damn raisin pie? I don't even know what that means. It sounds disgusting. No, they're good. The raisin pie. Sounds like your digestive system was perfect. Okay. What you
0: think? Vinegar and, and right. cucumbers? That that's is right. the shitstorm waiting right. to happen. That's
1: right. So I ain't never had a headache of being constipated or nothing like that because we ate. And raisin pie. Raisin pie. They call mincemeat pies, but we call them raisin. Ew. Pie. Yeah. We call it mincemeat. Good for you. Grandma baked them raisin pie but they'd be so good and she baked some homemade biscuits for you. we put that carol syrup on there, boy. Like, ooh, boy, boy, boy.
0: Yuck. I don't know nothing about no mincemeat pie or raisin pie or any of that stuff. It sounds gross to me. But again, when you grow up with somebody who's born in the eighteen hundreds, I guess that's what you eat. Now this next clip is about personal hygiene, and it really doesn't have anything to do with anything except that when I heard it I was grossed out and I just didn't wanna to have to be the only one who was grossed out by myself. So yeah.
1: I watched this lady on T V one and she was talking about how Americans bathe. We bathe too much as if we're bathing the the men in what, I can like go with words, but there is a uh it's antioxidant kinda like that protects our skin, that protects us. Mm-hmm. And the more we bathe, we fight those those things off of which they're actually living on our skin that, that keeps our skin, that protects our skin. She said we're washing these molecules off that protects us from all this stuff. The, element. uh, the elements, yeah. We're constantly washing. She says, All you need to do is wash your vital parts. I never understood my grandmother. Like a whole bath? That's what we did every evening. Only thing we washed in the evening time was our feet. Had to be and our hands and our face. In the morning time, we just washed our faces off. We only got a bath once a week. One bath every Saturday. And she said, "You're not supposed to walk around and smell like a flower." Well, this is true. <laughs> she yeah. said, "So that's why she said we're washing all the all our protectors from the elements and all this stuff off, and then we go back and put all this lotion on. Now we're killing because now we're pl- clogging." So I was like, "You know what?" Now I see what my great-grandmother was talking about.
0: Well, that was just because it was, you know.
1: No, she used to say to us. Do the you do water bill
0: was running up the water Oh, arrow. shit,
1: no. <laughs> but, you know, you, you <laughs> made all these black-ass kids. <laughs> you learn things, but you don't know when you're a kid. And then I hear this woman talking, I'm like, damn, that's what my grandmother was telling us. Well, we definitely are much more complex.
0: These days, she said you
1: go to the university. but then there
0: are new elements that aren't that you didn't have to consider back then.
1: You know, you fasten water up on your underarms, you hit your feet, and when you get old, you hit your butt, whatever. But she says, <laughs> you gotta that, wash your ass, you get hot and stinky. Candy. But she says no, she says no, she said, no. She said that's what keeps your body clean. The sweat, you know, it cools you off and it keeps you clean. Well, I don't know if I'm buying
0: into that one. Today. I told.
1: I said to myself, while she was talking, I said, "Well, why are you talking? I'm gonna go right in the shower and <laughs> get right, I'll be right back.
0: Yeah. So I don't know about this not taking a bath every day thing. I mean, I work out. I literally work out for a living. This is what I do. So I can't be sweating how I sweat talking about washing my vital parts only. That ain't. That ain't. That ain't it. And so in this next clip we go back to talking about family and childhood and specifically about how those formative years really stick with you and the ideas that you create and the thought patterns that you develop how all of that carries with you throughout life and how it shows up in different ways and how important it is as a parent to be very intentional about um, how you contribute to the creation of your child's life. Even if you don't necessarily have all the answers because you won't, it is important to at least give it some thought. And so here's some insight into some of the things that my mom thought about when she was considering how she wanted to raise me and what kind of woman she wanted me to ultimately become.
1: I just, I just wasn't raised to depend on no man. Or if you don't got no man, ain't I, I don't have that kind of thought. Right. And I didn't raise you girls to be that way. But All I didn't right. raise you to be... On a pedestal, I raised you to be... I wanted you to be earthly, loving women. Just just, just, just plain, loving women. Not so much as... I, I what you I, gonna do for me? Yeah, and, and I think... You, right. Yeah. And I think a lot of that comes from... A lot of things that we missed in our lives as children. The women did. So they think that you gotta do... Yeah. And I said, no, no, no. My girls won't be that way. I think about, as an adult now, like... When I say... I
0: played the piano, I played the flute, I played the violin, mm-hmm. I took folk dance classes. When I went to school, you know, yeah. we had to take vocal um, classes and musical theater, and we went to the opera, and we went to see, you know, plays and dance performances and classical music and orchestras, and yeah. like, when I think about, and then I also played sports and, you know, yeah. did the I summer camps and did all those things, all and that's room. really... When I think about that now, I'm yeah. like, oh. I didn't want you to make a big deal out of boys. Even, Even when not, I say yeah. I had a co-ed sleepover for my 16th birthday, people are yeah. like, oh, my God. And I'm like, these were my friends. These were young boys that my mom knew. They were around. They were my, you know, we. it wasn't no big deal. And we all slept out in the living room. We watched movies. We had a water mm-hmm. balloon fight. You know, all the things that we did. But it wasn't like this big secretive hush-hush forbidden yeah. thing. It was like, these are boys. And they're people just like you. Mm-hmm. And you're friends with them. And I think part of that is when you make it... When you start to form the context of, like... No, you know, boys are bad. Stay
1: away from the boys. And you make this
0: thing. Then it creates this kind of strange no, dynamic. You know, I always say,
1: they're your brothers. You don't sleep with your brothers. You sleep with your husband. Y'all gonna have fun and do this and hang out. Because girls and boys play together. You yeah, know? Talk especially about you like. when you're 16. Like, you know, that thing. You're already starting to like them. So when yeah. you make this, like,
0: weird you draw this strange line, it just makes it even more complicated than it needs to be. It needs to be, right. We were really actively involved and exposed to so much, which I feel like gave me kind of like this buffet of choices Mm -hmm. when I got older to kind of start
1: deciding like what kind of life I wanted to live And People just laugh at me. I'm like, no, I don't want my daughter to get caught up in everybody else's stuff. I want her to know her. I want her to know that it's okay for her to be her and for her to do her thing because she's born by herself. She ain't got to wait for nobody to do things. That's what I just wanted you to, to be able to enjoy life. I grew up in a democracy home. At the dinner table, we were all able to talk. Yeah, We had, you know, had an opinion. Like I said, and I didn't know whether it mattered or not, but it did give me a chance to express myself. You didn't shut me up. Think it out. Yeah, talk it out, yeah. Because that's what they wanted yeah. us to learn how to talk and to think. That's what they taught us to do. They wanted us to know how to express yourself. Those are the characteristics I wanted you to have. But at the same time, I didn't want you to be without a mate. But I didn't know how to do that part because I'm like, well, damn, I ain't got no damn mate, so she got to figure that one out on her own right. because.
0: I that's on you, boo. <laughs> there's a particular kind of man. I remember having a conversation with my friend Mark where he said, I can't remember directly, but he said there was three men. he said, there's either going to be the man that's going to absolutely reject you because you are smart and successful mm-hmm. by, by, by a lot of you know standards. Mm-hmm. So he's just going to flat out reject you. He's not going to know what to do with you and he's not even going to try to mm-hmm. figure it out. And he said, then there's going to be the man who's going to think he can handle it, get in, find out he's in too deep, and then he's either going to try to fake it Mm -hmm. and keep it going and fail miserably, or he's going to realize he's in too deep and that he can't handle you and he's going to jet and run. And that's probably going to, he was like, and when you meet that man, don't ask yourself what happened and what you did wrong know that it was him who realized you were more than he bargained for he maybe wasn't ready mm-hmm. to be in a partnership with you and whatever that thought, whatever he thought that meant that he needed to bring to the table
1: Yeah. so
0: there's going to be that man he said finally there's going to be a man that will be perfect for you but know that that man is probably going to have to make way more money than you mm-hmm. he's going to have to have something over you that makes him feel like he is a lot. for all intents yes. and purposes he is superior in some kind of way mm-hmm. and that's not in a like Dominant because I'm gonna control you kind of way, but for his own confidence level, he's gonna have to feel like in some kind of way he's superior to you in order for the relationship to work and for Mm -hmm. him to be emotionally stable and healthy Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. to maintain a a relationship, the kind of relationship you want. Mm -hmm. And when he said it to me, I just thought, wow, I think I think you might be right Mm -hmm, about that. mm -hmm. I think there's a very small pool of men when we talk about men if we're gonna, you know measure it by the standard of like whatever is um successful whether that be educationally mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. financially or mm-hmm. whatever um whenever we measure that, that standard of success there's going to be a very 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 tiny small pool of men who maybe don't measure up it as as successful mm-hmm. as me they're going to feel that can, yeah. who can handle right. still being with me right because, and so then it becomes mm-hmm. with recognizing that I think subconsciously for me it's not about me being like oh you gotta have this and that and the right, other because no, right. I feel like that is the only thing that makes you good enough it's almost coming from a place of you gotta have that because that's the only way you're gonna feel like you're good enough mm-hmm. but, but that's why I always say
1: that's, that's of the world and that's why I say right. it's going have to be a right. man going that's going of the world going back to chasing God right. Yeah. right that's why I say you gotta be the man that loves God take a few minutes and look do you see how these people hit you up when you do those notes mm-hmm. and how, those, how your friends come to you? You know why? It's because you're a friend from the heart. Right. That's a confidence that you have in yourself that that's a security that everything is fine. You don't have no, no hang-ups. You don't have no, no doubts. You, don't, and you And you never had it. That's why, and you're able to love and to do things unconditionally. That's why people are able to come in and hurt you because your heart is unconditioned. Right. Mm-hmm. And what's going on now is you're trying to fit in and make it condition. You're not a worldly person. Oh, I remember. You're I not remember a worldly person. I was person. dating
0: this guy for like 10 months, almost a year. Yeah. I wanted to like him so mm-hmm. bad. Like, he was a great on-paper guy. We had fun together. He was attractive. We was... He, he had a great job and what I really enjoyed about him is that he worked for himself as well so he had this flexibility and schedule so as an entrepreneur myself it was like we could you know have mm-hmm. these random middle of the day dates during the week because you know neither mm-hmm. one of us were tied to this you know schedule and just all these things and so I just really thought oh this is great but I could not like this guy <laughs> oh my god like I would like pep talking myself like a locker room talk before we would go out like okay joy look this man is cute and he likes you and he's nice and he's funny and he's cool and he's got a good job and y'all have fun together and have a good conversation and I would be like running down the list like trying to get my mind right it took like six months for me, for me to even let him pick me up from my house like I didn't want him to know where I lived well, it was, was just little... weird and I don't so I remember one day I was just like, all right, I'm dragging this thing out. Clearly, I don't like him. So let me just stop because it was becoming just more and more apparent that he was just super into me. He really wanted to take this thing to the next level, and I was like, trying to make myself get there. Like, come on, Joy, you can do it. But I couldn't. I couldn't do it. So I ultimately um, remember saying, Hey, let's go to lunch. Here for lunch, and I had to drop the bomb. I had to literally do the cliche it's not you it's me thing but it was real like it was really real i was like look i wrong
1: with
0: just you know and i didn't i couldn't pinpoint it so i remember kind of going home from that lunch and just kind of saying this silent prayer like god i hope i'm not so bitter and so jaded from past hurts and other relationships Mm -hmm. that i can't even allow myself to enjoy acknowledge or accept a good man who really wants all the things that i say i want and all these things and i just remember being so sad like oh you know i really kind of felt like oh no i'm ruined forever like i'm damaged good so many i've let so many horrible guys drag me that i finally have a good guy that i'm just Mm -hmm. i can't even so i remember really kind of being concerned and sad and just feeling whatever and then I met this other guy and I was kind of like, man, not really interested. And he hounded me for like a month before I finally because I was genuinely busy, really, in real life before I was finally able to go out with him. And so we went out to lunch and I remember it just it hit me like a ton of bricks. I liked him immediately. And I just remember calling my friend like, oh, my God, I like him. I don't know what happened. And it was a relief on some level because it was like, OK, well, at least I know what I realized after that shenanigan was over was I feel like God sent him to me to say, hey, don't worry. Your heart is not hardened you still have the ability to love you know you still Mm -hmm. you know you're still open to the prospect of that because i was really concerned and i was grateful for for the grace of of, you know being able Mm -hmm. to recognize that and ultimately what i found out about the other guy who i thought was so great on paper was um down you know time had passed i had already kind of dated this other guy and that was over and we we fizzled and he kind of reached out to me and we talked a couple times and i had found out that he was engaged and so when he began when we started kind of got back in contact it was just kind of here and there we would chat and then he started to pick up a little bit more frequently and he started kind of flirting with me and it became a little bit more a little bit more than just checking in every now and again so I just called him out like hey I thought I heard you were engaged did you call it oh what's going on cause you, you kind of you crossing the, the line here and he on in so many words kind of said like if I felt like you were going to take the bait then I would leave this other girl and I just remember being like wow and immediately i felt i couldn't fall for you god wouldn't let me fall for you because he he knew Mm -hmm. if i fell for you thinking that you were this safe guy that you were so different from the others and you were this and you were that that it would just all the way break me if i would have found out this because i can't imagine being the woman you're engaged to and you saying this to another woman. like like if i found out that you were going to take the bait i would leave her really you would leave me too, somebody exactly. else. To exactly, and Sometimes so I, we think, like, I just re- I just remember being so relieved, like again being thankful for the grace that God was show that. me that, like, but yeah, like wait a minute, I was beating myself up for not being able to like you but when yeah. really it was the grace of you God, God that saved again, me and say, from and liking what, your trifling
1: ass. And that, you know what? That, that's because you have always had a genuine heart, even with your friends. No, no, be genuine to your heart. Be genuine to your heart. You know what I'm saying? Do what your heart is telling you to do and not what the world and society, because they will mess you
0: up. And on that note, I think that's a great place to end this conversation. Don't do what the world and society is telling you to do, but follow your heart. Stay connected to your source, to your creator. Everything that you're trying to be, you already are. It's just a matter of tapping into that, honing in, and refining all the tools and all the gifts and all of everything that you are until next time you can follow me on social media at joy hearts j-o-i-h-e-a-r-t-s that is on instagram twitter and periscope i have not scoped in a while but perhaps i'll be inspired after this conversation with my mom and i'm also on facebook you can find me under joy hearts on facebook as well So thanks again for joining me for the Real Matters of the Heart podcast where we say life is all about chances and you determine how many you take but not how many you get. I will talk to you guys next Wednesday at 9 p.m. Don't forget to catch the re-air of this show on Sunday at 5 only on the local astronaut station on TuneIn Radio app. See you soon. Peace.